It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. You're with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. The Seahawks are coming off of uh, a loss against the 49ers by a score of 26-23. to The Seahawks traveled down to Santa Clara where uh, they were mobbed by penalty flags throughout the whole game. Uh, but especially late in the game, at the most crucial points in the game, uh, the Seahawks were penalized for, for multiple things. But we'll, we'll get into the penalties, we'll get into the actual game. Uh, all throughout the rest of the show. But before we do that, we'll do a quick intro. I am Grant Goldberg. I co-host the Select on Seahawks podcast and do social media and graphic design work for SB Nation's Lakers site. And Spike is a writer with a stranger who actually got to live out his Sunday quite peacefully before he got to watch the Seahawks game. Spent the spent the weekend at Disneyland, so uh, he had to be at the happiest place on earth while we kind of suffered through this... Uh, the Seahawks loss that shouldn't have been, but was. Yeah, I, you know, look, this is a Disneyland-focused podcast. Lord knows. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I watched Overtime live on my phone because we live in 2018. I could have watched more on my phone, but it was just like, uh, then I rewatched it. This game is so dumb. This game was so profoundly dumb because the Seahawks played very very well with a couple like obvious exceptions in Ethan Posick, J.R. Sweezy and Sebastian Janikowski. Other than that the team played great. They should have out yarded the Niners by like 150. They should have outscored them by 14. Like this everything went to script except for the fact that we couldn't stop holding and we gave up a kick return touchdown and we missed an extra point. Everything else was fine. And, like, it's just so dumb that there's going to be an inquest. And now we have to play the Chiefs. And it's going to come down to the last week of the year, whether or not the team ends up clinching a playoff spot. And it's just like, ah, uh, all because of holding penalties. Just nonstop, 24-7 holding penalties. It's very irritating. Uh, but, hey, guys, Space Mountain closed all day. <laughs> opened up right at the end of the day. Boom, fast pass right on it. Bam, Space Mountain. Great ride. Well, I mean, and when we're talking about stuff on this Locked On Space Mountain podcast, <laughs> we we have to take in consideration the, the other rides that are open throughout the day to occupy your time in case it does open up like it did for Spike now. But I'm, I'm totally <laughs> kidding. Uh, this is one of the more frustrating games, and I, I've said this earlier this year on the podcast because the Seahawks, uh, when compared to the last couple of years or the last you know five years, the penalties haven't been nearly as big of an issue. And so when they do come, it just seems like they come in an avalanche and they kind of skew the game in a certain direction. Um, I mean, obviously the Seahawks committed 14 penalties for 148 yards. Um, At that point, it's not just the refs. Like, you got to play cleaner. But uh, 
when you have 14 penalties for 148 yards, some of it is the refs. Um, yeah. there, there are calls that I disagree with, and uh, mostly the, the Delano Hill pass interference call. I thought that was just completely wrong. You can make the case for the Shaq Griffin call. Uh, J.R. Sweezy had a tough day. Ethan Postick had a really tough day when he came in for Jordan Simmons. Um, but and, and I wasn't necessarily watching for, for penalties when the 49ers had the ball. Like, a couple times I noticed that they should have been flagged for holding Jerron Reed. But uh, it, it, I, it didn't feel like that kind of game for me where I had to watch for the 49ers committed penalties because I still believed the Seahawks were going to win that game. Uh, evidently, they didn't. And it, it just came down to uh, how they executed. Um, and even in the preparation for the game, you know, wearing the right cleats in, for the San, Santa Clara field, that field, it, it kind of reminded me of Washington in FedEx field. Obviously not to the same degree, but just players were slipping all over the place. It was just a nightmare game for the Seahawks. And the game where Spike is right, they did play well. Yeah, and I think let's let's talk defense uh, first. And I guess we've already started that. Uh, Jaron Reed looked really, really ferocious in this game. He looked excellent. Obviously got a ton of pressure late. Uh, the cornerbacks played fine again, like – the safeties are the big question. And with Bradley McDougald out, when Bradley McDougald was in this game, the Seahawks were in absolute control of what was happening on the defensive side of the ball. When he was out of the game, things were occasionally catastrophic. The, the end of the second quarter was really, really rough for this team. With Hill in there, with Tedrick Thompson wearing the wrong shoes and falling over, it just was, it, it just was really tough to watch. And McDougald is... He is crucial for this team in two ways. The one is that he is a stabilizing force on a young secondary. The other is he makes explosive plays. He turns the ball over. He tips. He tips. He gets his hands to a lot of balls. He's excellent. And losing him for an extended period of time, yikes. I mean, especially with the Chiefs coming in this weekend, I I don't like it. Uh, this defense really can't hold up without him at this point. Losing both of your safeties in 2018 when passing is exploding all over the league, it's just very difficult to deal with. Pair that with K.J. Wright and Michael Kendricks being out in the linebacking core. Austin Calitro played pretty well, especially defending the run. Uh, it wasn't him, but Barkevius Mingo had some nasty missed tackles. He's just being put in positions that are not ideal for him. I mean... As much as the Seahawks left a lot of meat on the bone, George Kittle left some meat on the bone in this game. There were a couple plays where he was open and they missed him. So this could have been worse in some ways, and that mostly happened right after McDougald went out of the game. It felt like, man, they could have they could have grabbed the game by the neck. They didn't do that. The fact that we lost anyway is, again, crazy annoying. But it's worth pointing out, I think, that, like, Man, this defense is not deep. We've known that all year, and we're really starting to see it now that it's week fifteen. Yeah. Um. And, and regarding McDougald, I I wouldn't even chalk it up just for for this game. It's it's more long term for me. Throughout this Chiefs game is going to be tough. Uh, I'm I'm still still worried about the Cardinals coming to to Century Link because they always find a way to win up there somehow. I uh, guess. And, and I'm through, really and through the not. playoffs. Though, I mean, going yes. up against, you know, I mean, Bradley McDougal is great in, in run coverage. And I think that, you know, going up against 
one, the Bears or the Cowboys, it's going to present a lot of issues for Delano Hill and Tedrick Thompson. So, um, long term is my concern with Bradley McDougald, and you know, this is a, a reoccurring issue, and I hope that it doesn't, you know, continue to get worse for him. Yeah, yeah, and look, I mean, in terms of where we should be thinking about this team, like if this team makes the playoff, if this team gets to nine and seven, and plays a tough game in the first round of the playoffs and wins or loses like that's about par for the course for this team and actually a pretty successful season in a lot of ways so i'm not gonna worry like on the one hand everyone in the nfc kind of looks weak right now especially with the rams taking like four steps backwards over the last three weeks so it's sort of like okay yeah maybe the seahawks team can make a run at the same time as much as this has been an incredible rebuilding year like, we've been so much better than we thought we'd be. A lot of the young talent really has developed for the first time in a couple seasons. It feels like there is a young nucleus, especially on this defense, that can be the core of the next great Seahawks team with Russell Wilson on at quarterback. You know, like, we're we're seeing who those guys are, if it's Reed, if it's um, McDougald, Griffin and Flowers outside. Heck, Puna Ford, throw Puna Ford in there. You know, like, we, we've got guys developing who are interesting. And so, I, I, yeah, I'm not counting on winning any playoff games this year. I'd love to win one. I would love to win one, but I ain't counting on it. Yeah, Um. and and before we just overlook this game, um, I, I think the Seahawks played well enough to still, you know, warrant them matching up well with the Chiefs and, you know, still having a chance in that game. It's primetime in Seattle, but, you know, the Chiefs offensively are, I, I'm not going to say generational, but, you know, just absolutely insane. Um, but, you know, there is stuff that happened that worried me in this game just because of the state off the offensive line, which we'll talk about coming out of this break. Um, and, and definitely just depth we mentioned it earlier and we mentioned it a little bit right now but depth is what's going to get you through the playoffs and if you want to win just more than one game then you know, you're going to need other guys to step up and the, and the Seahawks you know they have guys in there that you know aren't going to get you there in the first place and and having guys behind them that's just an idea that's just an idea right now they the Seahawks would love that but they don't have it right now and so that's what worries me you know, for a deep playoff well, run, I don't think any uh, any of us expect them to make that run. But if it was going to happen, uh, the Seahawks roster would need to to look a lot different below the surface. Well, and th- the issue is right now. Look at look at who we're paying at safety. We're paying Earl Thomas. We're paying Cam Chancellor. But we're paying Bradley McDougal. If none of those three dudes are on the field, like at that point, yeah, we got guys on rookie contracts. And you know, same thing up front. We're still paying Michael Bennett. You know, like part of that part of the reason why that trade is so annoying is that we're still paying him or at least he's still implicated on our cap. You know, we're not able to marshal the resources to have a deep team that changes next year. We still have some dead money with Cam and we'll still have some dead money with Tom Johnson because, hey, why not live live that life forever? But um, for the most part, 
our cap is going to be just like way cleaner than it's been in a long time. I think it's 55 million in space, second most in the NFC. A lot of that is going to go to re-signing our dudes, but at least we're going to be putting our money on the field again next year, which means that the guys on those rookie deals, those will be like the real back. Like it won't be, we won't be the guys behind the guys behind the guys. It'll just be the guys behind the guys. Does that make sense? I feel like that was a little crazy, but I think it's an important thing to understand when we talk about rebuilding this roster. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know at least I was able to understand it. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody listening is able to you know follow along. And I know this is a, <laughs> a, a tough, a, a tough moment to go through, especially trying to gain heat going into the playoffs. And um, you know, sometimes games like this happen. Um, I, I don't think any of us really expected the Seahawks to actually even be in a game with the San Francisco 49ers at this point where both teams are out in the season. But you know, it played out to where it came down to overtime and uh, some things happened. Uh, that's what I'm going to use to describe yeah. this game. Some things oh, happened. I think, I, yeah, I mean, the run defense was good throughout, but it wasn't great. Like, it, you know, and also like credit to Nick Mullins. Like, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but like, is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Is that crazy? Is that crazy what I just said? Um, you know what? The jury's out. I'll, I'll okay, say that. okay, okay, okay. I'm just saying, like, his stats are basically, if you take away, like, the first, I don't know. Like, he doesn't turn the ball over as much as Garoppolo. He misses more throws, but it's like Russell Wilson misses where they don't turn the ball over. They just beat the Broncos and I don't. Man, I don't know. Uh, no, he's probably not. This is stupid. All right, we should we should take a quick break, shouldn't we? Yeah, well, we will take a quick break. So stay tuned for more Locked On Seahawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, you like watching football, right? That's why you're listening to this podcast. But you know what makes watching football more fun? Betting on it. Because, look, you can't Seahawks game next week. It's the Sunday night game. What are you going to do all day? care about some game that isn't the Seahawks versus the Chiefs no you're gonna put money on it and then if you're an expert or you're a rookie at putting money on it, it could be your first time you know where to go my bookie why why are you gonna go to my bookie you're gonna put a big parlay together for the Sunday games next week because if you do you could turn a hundred bucks into six hundred dollars you get ten dollars into sixty dollars, you could turn ten thousand dollars into six sixty thousand dollars. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what your finances are. <laughs> do do what's smart for you, and you can do it. You don't have to wait for Sunday. I said wait for Sunday. You don't have to because there's college basketball, there's regular basketball, there's hockey, there's esports, there's prop bets. You can do it. Get out there, my bookie. You can bet on it, and you can trust them. They always pay out now what is the deal you know it's coming you know there's going to be a great my bookie deal coming i mean you're talking about the best online site you're talking about a mobile site you're talking about great online reviews but you know there's a deal coming and we're talking about a 50 percent deposit bonus this week all right use the promo code locked on and you get a 50 percent bonus this week and if you follow at bet my bookie on twitter They'll respond to every mention or DM. Their DMs are open. Slide into them, and they've given away ten grand in free money to their followers this football season. Okay? And you get to know what the odds are immediately. So that's wild. Promo code locked on. 
50% deposit bonus. You play, you win, you get paid, you slide into those DMs. My bookie. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back with the next portion of today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast. You are still with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. And uh, while, while we're at it and while we're going through this little mini intro, uh, go ahead, use your, your voice assistant on your phone, ask Siri to play the Locked on Seahawks podcast, and they'll get that queued up right for you, so that's just a little cool trick you guys can take advantage of, and, uh, make it easier for you to, for yourself to listen to this Locked on Seahawks podcast, but, I'm sorry, I gotta interrupt you real quick, real quick, I got a stat on, on Nick Mullins, <laughs> all right, just- this is from Football Perspective, uh, who's uh, what it would chase. Whatever. Danny Kelly just retweeted it. It's a great stat. Three players in NFL history at 23 or younger have averaged 8.5 yards an attempt on 200-plus passes over a full season. Y.A. Tittle, Dan Marino, Ben Roethlisberger, and this season, both Pat Mahomes and Nick Mullins. So Nick Mullins is on a pace that only Y.A. Tittle, Dan Marino, Ben Roethlisberger, and Patrick Mahomes have ever been on at his age. Get on the Mullins train. Mullins is better than Garoppolo. Am I just trying to stoke a QB controversy in San Francisco? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Am I trying to emotionally defend myself from the fact the Seahawks lost to Nick Mullins? Probably a little bit. All right. Let's talk about the offense. All right. Because the Seahawks didn't have Nick Mullins on offense, the Seahawks lost the game. No. Um... The Seahawks, like we said, we they played. Chris Carson had a really, really good game. Uh, I think you got in front of the ball and called it that. You know they'll put him over a hundred yards. He had a career game. Uh, that touchdown that he scored on fourth down was oh. one of the best oh. efforts I've seen on a goal line. Um, if the yeah, Seahawks had, <laughs> it was it was Marshawn esque because you remember the big beast mode Marshawn runs, but it was just one of those runs where Marshawn gets that yard. It was awesome. It was so awesome. You talk about extra effort. The the his legs didn't stop moving. Uh, I forget who said it, and I wish I could credit him for it. But on Twitter, somebody said Dwayne Brown basically baby bjorned Chris <laughs> Carson into the end zone. That's and awesome. That it, it was just a cohesive effort. Uh, you know, the the Seahawks obviously needed a touchdown right there. They went out there and got it. Um, I'm going to go as far to say that if the Seahawks have Chris Carson in Super Bowl 49, they win the game. Oh. Oh. Did I just overstep? Oh. My- <laughs> oh. um, I'm going to talk about how good Doug Baldwin was. It was really nice to see him in the game, just skidding Richard Sherman a couple times. Really great effort to get in the end zone. Really great effort eluding tackles. Um, Mike Davis, it was great to see a lot of designed throws to running backs. Those worked really well, and it was really nice to see Schottenheimer do that. That's probably going to be the last nice thing I say about Brian Schottenheimer today, uh, mostly because the Seahawks played pretty Again, so many big plays got wiped off the board that the stat sheet really doesn't speak to the quality of play that the Seahawks put together. But it felt like the Seahawks knew 
it felt like the Seahawks knew that they could win this game without risking anything, but then they were proven wrong. If they would taken some risks and like on third and what fourteen and overtime, you know, if they throw the ball there, there 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 were examples of that throughout the game where it felt like they were playing it pretty safe. They punted from midfield a couple times. Now Michael Dixon put the Niners on the one those times, and that was awesome. But it also felt like opportunities to get points on the board that were squandered. And so for me, yeah. I don't know. Schottenheimer, it came down to a level of complacency in the play calling that was disappointing. Now, look, I'm not breaking up with my with my new love, Brian Schottenheimer, but this was a disappointing play calling effort. Yeah, um, and you talk about them taking chances and, and trying to, you know, take shots on the field. I, I think a little too often uh, throughout late in this game, the Seahawks went to that check down and, and you know, who knows... I, the film needs to come out, but you know, I would like them to be a little more aggressive in that moment. We we saw them you know be aggressive to start overtime on that third and four and and the thirty one yard pass to J D McKissick. Like that that's great. That's what they should have been going for. I think that uh, you know especially with the, with the 49ers being so beat up in the secondary, that's absolutely what they should have been going for. But you know, who knows if that's what all yeah that's what was in front of them the whole time, but. Now, I would have liked them to see, would have liked to see them take some more shots going down the field rather than just checking down to the running backs and getting those three or four yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They the fact that they were hitting explosives when they looked for them and then they were just getting called back. I mean, at a certain point, like it is like, what do you do with the fact that your offensive line isn't holding up? And I will say, we should have the depth to be able to deal with Ethan Posick. Like Ethan Posick is a disaster right now and I genuinely don't understand why and it's like Tom Cable's final gift to us is that he had us draft a guy who cannot play the position and I hate it and it's very annoying and the fact that Jordan Simmons going out ruins a Seahawks game is just unacceptable yeah the Seahawks I think more than ever need DJ Fluker back even yeah. even when and Simmons... he's a question mark for this week he'll definitely be back for that game against the Cardinals that you're worried about. I'm not worried about it, but you're worried about it. I, I was gonna say though, uh, you know, even with Jordan Simmons healthy in that game, the 49ers were figuring out ways to beat him. That I think Jordan, uh, that I think DJ Fluke is just too big and strong to get beaten by. Uh, it, it and it, and it goes to what I was saying about depth. The Seah- the Seahawks, believe it or not, probably their best depth comes at their offensive line. Um, with guys like Jordan Simmons and with guys like George Fant, but obviously Ethan Posick is, you know, everything he did on Sunday goes against what I'm saying right now. But yeah. uh, having having a guy like DJ Fluker in there just changes, you know, how they play football, just super aggressive. Um, it's kind of like adding Chris Carson to, you know, the Seahawks' backfield. Uh, obviously, they're going to still try to do what they want to do. But uh, they just hit another level once that guy's in there, whether it be Carson in the running back room and DJ Fluker at right guard. Got, yeah, yep, I agree, I agree. And I think that's probably all we need to say on this one. I mean, look, we can look ahead, but yeah, Carson's great. Russ played well. I think we should say that. Like, Russ played well. This wasn't on Russ at all. This was a good Russ game. I don't know what you do. Stop holding. Just don't hold. Ugh. Yeah, that, that's exactly what you have to do. Just stop holding. Stop. Uh, I guess 
I don't even know what to say about the the defensive pass interference penalties. Again, like Shaquille Griffin, there's substance to that, and that's probably a fine call. But Delano Hills uh-huh. on George Kittle, that was just I don't. It was absolutely weird. Justin Coleman's unnecessary roughness penalty. Um, I I don't know what to say in that one. I guess you know try to stay cool in that situation, even though he didn't start it, he didn't escalate it. Um, Nico Thorpe's yeah. penalty. It, there's just there's just a lot of penalties in that game, and it's frustrating to watch. It's frustrating to see that it influenced the game that much, and and you know if not for maybe two or three of them, the Se- we're having a completely different conversation of whether you know the Seahawks can take momentum into the playoffs. Uh, whether they can beat the Chiefs, uh, we we could have kind of looked over this game, but instead uh, those penalties did happen. Like I said earlier in the show, stuff happened in that game, and that's you know what I'm going to say to describe it because there's not much else to say when the Seahawks played as well as they did, but weren't able to get the win. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, so we will come back out of this break and uh, tie up the rest of the show. So stay tuned for the final portion of today's episode of the Lockdown Seahawks podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back with the show's final portion. This is the Locked On Seahawks Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are still with Grant and Spike. And I guess now that we're done with the recap for this 49ers game that the Seahawks unfortunately lost. We can look afo- we can look forward to Sunday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Seahawks are going to need to rely on their offense to win this game. I I think, you know, something that we can gather from this episode from this game on Sunday is that you know the Seahawks still can play well enough to make this a game with the Chiefs. They match up well enough and the the I believe the Chiefs open as two and a half point favorites in Seattle. Um, to me, the the Seahawks are going to have to win the game, like they've been winning games earlier this season. That's just running the ball, Russell Wilson having to be super efficient. Um, but I think you know we're going to see efficiency you know with that high volume too, because the Seahawks are going to need to keep up pace with the Chiefs, and uh, I, I expect to see you know over 30 pass attempts for russell wilson on sunday yeah yeah uh i don't know how i haven't i haven't really looked ahead too much on this one i will say i am i am a bit concerned but i i also think we're just gonna win that arizona game and it'll be fun it'll be tense and we'll have to win it i don't know there are worse things in this world i will say we need Sebastian Janikowski to step up and, uh, you know, try to tackle it, dude. Why not? You're 40. Just throw your body in the way. You're big. Do it. Step up. I you mean, can't just I, I, be living that Michael Dixon life. I, I will say that it's really hard for a corn silo to move all the way across the field. Yeah. yeah and so, you know, who knows? You know, maybe he wasn't able to put the brakes on. 
you know when when like I said when a corn silo is moving at that speed like you can't you can't fault it for you know not being able to slow down and at least get in the way a little bit more so Nico Thorpe can catch up but uh, I, I I will say and I think we should you know really quick give out game balls for yeah. this game uh, Chris Carson's my offensive game ball just looked as good as he ever has I don't think he's that home run hitter running back where he's going to take a play 70 yards to the house but he's going to get you those really really tough 10 11 12 yard gains runs through some guys just incredible effort when he has the ball and so he gets my game ball offensively yeah I go Doug Baldwin uh two touchdowns both really nice touchdowns he looked really good it was so good to have him back yeah um quick note on Doug Baldwin before he caught his first touchdown actually and i said this on twitter but uh, for listeners that don't follow me and and didn't see the tweet um i was gonna say that doug baldwin's year this year kind of reminds me of marshawn lynch's final season in seattle where he just wasn't ever really able to stay healthy use you know there were moments where like all right you know we have marshawn now he's back but you know he really wasn't able to stay on the field and you know now, fortunately, Doug was able to have a really good game yesterday, and uh, I hope that the injuries, I mean, they're going to nag throughout the rest of the season, but aren't a long-term issue for Doug because he does you know, just add a certain stability to the Seahawks passing game and a certain trustworthiness where you know, he's going to go up and, and catch a ball and take a hit and hold on. That's, you know, that's what you get out of Doug Baldwin, and I'm glad to have that version of him on the field. I guess I see. I, I don't know. I think Doug Baldwin. Well, whatever. I I think Doug Baldwin's having a better year than Marshawn had that year, and there's just less weirdness there. Um, but I understand where you're coming from on that. Defensively, I'm gonna go with um, Jaron Reed because I said it first. Boom. All right, I'm gonna go with Puna Ford because nice. uh, yeah, he, he had great. he had a few really really nice plays. Quentin Jefferson also had a couple nice plays. Um, but yeah, Puna Ford looked great in run coverage, uh, rushed the passer well. Really, really glad that they're activating him throughout these last uh, through this last stretch of games. I think uh, he adds a little a little bit of depth. Um, it does create a kind of situation with uh, Nas Jones and Stamar Stefan got the got the go in in front of him. So you know, I I like to have Nas healthy and active, but. Uh, having Puna Ford out there just is, is a really good thing for the Seahawks right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been great. All right. So I think that does it for today's episode of the locked on Seahawks podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please go to Apple podcasts and leave a review rate and subscribe to the show. Uh, leave a five star review preferably, but if you feel otherwise make it a four or two star review, that's the policy on the show. And so I think uh, you can also, like I said earlier on the show, use your voice assistant on the phone to uh, have them play the Locked on Seahawks podcast for you. So you're getting in the car and you can't get your phone. Just ask your assistant to do it and they will get it done. Uh, You can also use your uh, Amazon Echo or Alexa and uh, ask Alexa to play the Locked on Seahawks podcast for you because there is that capability too. Spike. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I think we oh, bet on my bookie. Just do it. Just put some money on. I don't know what the Seahawks Chiefs line is yet. Do, check the line and then be smart. My yes. bookie. Yeah, be smart. That's that's the the final take. You should uh, 
you should listen to from today's show. So, for the Locked on Seahawks podcast, I am Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Friedman, also signing off. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.